If you have primary school-aged kids or grandkids, make sure Vision Kids is part of their daily routine. Vision Kids! Vision Kids is a 24-7 online radio stream featuring the ever-popular Adventures in Odyssey. Hi, this is Chris. Welcome to Adventures in Odyssey. Plus other world-class radio dramas, kids' music and friendly voices. G'day, Vision Kids. Vision Kids is streaming now in the Vision app and online at visionkids.org.au. You can also tell your smart speakers to play Vision Kids Radio. If you don't already have the Vision app on your phone or tablet, you can download it for free when you search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Vision Kids. Another way we're helping the whole family look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Thanks for joining listeners around the world for Leading the Way. I'm just thrilled about what God is doing in the evangelistic celebrations we saw in the heart of Georgia and Macon and Dublin and Belfast. God is doing some great things, but for me personally, it's a very emotional time to go back to my home country, to Egypt. We've been ministering in the Arab world now for many, many years through Kingdom Sat. Over 200 million homes receive this ministry, Kingdom Sat, every day, 24-7. And so we're so thrilled that I could do that in person. And there are many, many, many church leaders who have been working so hard to see this as a great success. So it's not going to be only in Egypt, but it's going to be broadcast to millions and tens of millions of homes around the world. And so it's a special thrill for me. I only wish one thing, and that's I could have spoken in Arabic, but after 55 years of not using the language, I, I'm not able to do that, but I'll be speaking through an interpreter. And so I'm thrilled, and I know that God literally can transform the entire Arabic-speaking world with one spark, that the Holy Spirit takes those words and ignite them in the hearts of millions of people. So I hope you're going to be praying and supporting this ministry because it is God's ministry, and I'm thrilled to just be a passenger in His vehicle. In the early chapters of Revelation, you can read personal letters from Jesus to the churches of His time. Well, Jesus' words also resonate with Christians of 2023. This is Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Today, part two of his message, Seven Letters to 21st Century Christians. Get ready to be challenged to deepen your Christian walk. Here's Dr. Michael Youssef to get you caught up. The first message is to the church of Ephesus, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. There were hard-working Christians They've rejected false doctrine. They believe their accurate biblical interpretation. But the problem with the church in Ephesus is that they loved their accurate biblical interpretations more than they loved Jesus. And so the great physician's prescription to the Ephesians, he said, retrace your steps. Get back a little bit. Find out where you lost your first love. What is the thing that tricked you? What is the thing that tripped you? Find out. And he said, not only confess it, but turn away from it. If you do not act soon, and if you do not act decisively, Jesus said he will remove the lampstand. He's not talking about salvation, but he will remove the lampstand. He will snuff out the light of your witness. The light will no longer shine, even if you are going through the motions. Whatever passion you've got left for sharing Christ with others will die down. 
The second message is to the believers in Smyrna. That's chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. The word Smyrna is a Greek word which actually means myrrh. Myrrh is a fragrance that comes from breaking and crushing a thorn tree or a thorn bush for the fragrance of the myrrh to be released. It has to be broken. It has to be crushed. Jesus' message to the church that has been crushed by persecution, that has been crushed for His sake, He said, I know your afflictions. I know your poverty. And let me tell you, God's word to the persecuted believer today is this, don't be afraid. You have it tough now. You have it difficult now. But the day of your glorification is coming. The third letter is to the church of Pergamum. Chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. The population of Pergamum was awash with strange religious practices. And Jesus said to them, I know where you live where Satan has his throne. What is Jesus talking about? Pergamum had the great altar dedicated to Zeus. And Zeus is the chief deity of the Greek Parthenon. And Jesus referring to that altar of Zeus when he was talking about Satan's throne. And so Jesus gives him a word of commendation. He said, you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith altogether in me. Oh, but Jesus immediately goes in with a word of condemnation because they had one big, humongous sin that is creeping among them. You have people there in your church who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Balaam was a fortune teller. And so, before the people of God got into the promised land, a pagan king brought him in, and he said, Now, Balaam, I want you to curse these people. And here is a bucket full of cash. I mean, he looks at that cash, and he couldn't wait to go and curse God's people. This is a problem. While he got Satan on his side, the Israelites had Yahweh on their side. <laughs> and so, every time he tries to open his mouth to curse Israel, he blesses them. <laughs> and the pagan king was frustrated. So he piles more cash and more cash. And Balaam sees the cash. He so let me try again. He will try again. And every time I open his mouth to curse the people of God, he blesses them. And finally, he came up with a devilish idea. He couldn't curse the people of God, but he can get the people of God to curse themselves. Because that's his devilish attack. If he cannot get you straight ahead, he will work on your flesh to get you to cause yourself a curse. And so he goes to this pagan king. He said, you know, I can get these people cursed themselves. Bring me out all you loose women. Just bring them out. And as soon as these Israelites men see your loose women, they're going to fall. And they did. And Satan says, mission accomplished. He succeeded just like he is succeeding today when trying to get so many of God's people hooked on pornography, on infidelity to their marriage vows, homosexuality, and sexual perversions of all kinds. 
And then there are some preachers somewhere say, well, you know, just, well, you have needs. This is just the way you are. I mean, you can't help it. Well, these are the, the way things are today. It's okay. Hey, don't be narrow-minded. Surely don't be a prude. Now, beloved, let me shoot straight with you. We are under obligation to love non-believers. We have no choice. We have no option but to love the non-believer, to minister to non to be available in every way. And I do that personally, as some of you know. We are under obligation to love sinners. We are under obligation in every way to be Christ to these people. But never, 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 never at the expense of biblical truth. Never under the compulsion of having them join a church without repentance and without salvation. And that is why Jesus said to the church at Pergamum, Repent. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone. Remember in John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the true manna that comes from heaven. He's going to have nothing less than Jesus himself. So what is that white stone? You see, in the Roman judicial system, they did not have a trial by jury. The judge tries, adjudicates, and and pronounces judgment all at the same time. So the judge was so powerful. And if the man being tried is guilty, he hands him a black stone. But if he is innocent or guiltless, he hands him a white stone. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. When we seek to please Him and Him alone, He will declare us innocent and set us free. He wants to see a desire, at least a desire. The fourth message, the believers in Thyatira. Chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. This is the longest letter of all the seven and probably the most troubling of all. As always, Jesus uses something positive, something good to say about every church. And he was praising them for some sterling qualities they have. Love, faith, service, and patient endurance. Something else Jesus said. The latter works exceed the first. Now, look, Growing in love and growing in faith and growing in service and patient endurance. Wonderful. What else? This is a growing church. This is a mega church. This is a contemporary church. It's a with it church. At that point, you expect Jesus said, Attaboy, keep it up. Doing great. This is great. But sadly, he tells them that there is a cancer of moral compromise that is growing on the inside of them. Beloved, this is a sobering word. Today, there are many wonderful megachurches, Bible-believing churches. They love Jesus, serving Jesus all over the world. I'm not putting everybody in the same bucket here. But those growing churches have moral compromise, which is eating them from the inside. What did Jesus say? He said, you tolerate that woman, Jezebel. You know, she's a Phoenician. She's a Baal worshiper. But the king of Israel, Ahab, married her. Be very careful before you marry. Ask the Lord. Are you unequally yoked? 
because what she did, she didn't only emasculate him. She actually became the symbol of all that is evil. She became a, a symbol of moral compromise of all sorts. And why does the Lord Jesus hate the spirit of Jezebel? Listen to me. Because moral compromise inevitably going to lead to apostasy altogether. It happens, and it happened before our eyes. And in the old days, it used to take so many generations to go from moral compromise to apostasy. Now, with the speed of everything, it takes half a generation. And doesn't matter how long it takes. When sexual sins are tolerated and quietly approved, it's a matter of time before the church to cease to be the church of Jesus Christ. As I said, some of us were in churches like that. I was in a church 30-plus years ago where they preached tolerance and grace and compassion and non-judgmentalism. Until, of course, now, it is no longer the church of Jesus Christ. Please, please hear me right. One of Satan's most effective weapons against us is our flesh, as we saw already in Balaam. Satan appeals to our flesh. Uh, he tempts us to satisfy the flesh. Uh, the temptation is to set our flesh on fire. And then Satan says, mission accomplished. Here's how the spirit of Jezebel works. Listen carefully, please. Well, nobody really believed this sexual purity anymore these days. It's just, it's not the thing people believe anymore. No one really keeps these old-fashioned values. The times have changed. How many times have you heard that? Even the laws are changed. Fornication, adultery, pornography, homosexuality, and all of these are open sesame to apostasy. That is the spirit of Jezebel, and Jesus hates it. Here's the bad news. I always tell you the good news. Here's the bad news. Most Christians in Thyatira, they knew it. They close their ears, close their eyes. Who am I to rock the boat? It was wrong. But they were so worried that if they took a stand, people would leave the church. And that's why Jesus said, repent of your false tolerance. Repent of your spineless attitude. Repent of thinking that a large crowd means success in God's eyes. Otherwise, you'll suffer Jezebel's fate. But if you repent and remain steadfast, I'll give you the morning star. Revelation 22:16 tells us that Jesus is the morning star. Who would rather you have, Jesus? or the approval of culture and society? Ask yourself that question. The fifth message is to the church of Sardis. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. I pray to God that not a single person would be like those folks in the church of Sardis. There is nothing good that Jesus could find to say about the church of Sardis. He said, I know your deeds. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. One of the greatest tragedies is when a church's reputation exceeds its reality. 
What does it mean for the church to be alive? The first thing a live church is must live under the authority of the Word of God. Must be determined to obey the Word of God. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but we live in obedience to the Word of God. And the second thing is the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. And the third thing is that the Holy Spirit must be free to operate. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. How can you be afraid of your best friend? You see, when the Holy Spirit is free to operate, He's going to convict. He's going to convert. Question. Can a dead church become alive again? Yes. That's what Jesus said. (laughs) He gives him five steps to go from dead to life. Wake up and discover the reality of your spiritual death. Strengthen what remains. You say, what does that mean? Well, let me explain it this way. If the doctors are operating in the operating room, and then the patient's heart stops, what do they do? They stop everything, and they do everything possible to get the heart moving. (laughs) That's strengthening what remains. Remember what you have received from God at the very beginning. Remember the time when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and you were thrilled and you were excited. You were so much in love with Jesus. Remember that. Go back to that. The truth that you knew from the very beginning. Guard it. Protected, that's number four. Protect what you originally received and heard and hold on to it. And fifthly, he said, change your ways. Change your direction. Respond now to his love. Respond to his invitation. Six is the message to the church of Philadelphia. Chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. God is the one in charge of the door. Nobody else. He's got it right here. These are the words of him who's holy. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shut, no one can open. He spells it out here. Why? He is the one. In fact, Jesus here is refuting these false teachers who say that in the last day, in the day of judgment, Jesus is going to feel sorry for the people who have rejected him, and he's going to let them in. They're contradicting Everything Jesus said here, in the day of judgment, He is the one who's going to shut that door, and no one will be able to open it. But right now, He has that door wide open. Nobody can shut it, saying, come, 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 come. The door is open. Verse 8, Jesus is saying, I gave you every opportunity you have for ministry. Everything, every opportunity you have, Jesus gave you. Every opportunity he gave me. He says, I know you're weak by the world's standard, but I have given you opportunities for ministry. And if you use these opportunities, I'll bless you out of your socks. Now, that's a use of translation, but you get the meaning. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Did God bless you with time? Where are you spending it? Where are you spending it? Has God blessed you with influence? How are you using it? Did God bless you with wealth? Where are you investing it? On self or on the kingdom of God? Be faithful with what you have, is Jesus' message to the church in Philadelphia. Finally, the seventh message is the message, the letter to the church of Laodicea. As I said, if my theologian friends who believe that these are periods of time 
and that we're living in the church of Laodicea time, that makes me weep uncontrollably. And trust me, sometimes I do. There's not a single positive word about the church of Laodicea. Condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. Why? Because if there's one thing that Jesus detests is lukewarmness. He detests lukewarmness. And this, is, beloved, is a picture of an average, normal, respected American evangelical church. And yet, it's neither on fire for Christ nor deadly cold. What Jesus is saying to the Laodicean church, he says, I deserve better than this insipid response. I deserve more than this half-hearted commitment. I suffered and died for you, and all you do for me is you tip your hats for me for an hour on Sunday morning. I gave my life for you, and all you give back to me is a shrug of the shoulder. Come late and leave early and put a couple of bucks in the plate and either love me with white-hot intensity or drop dead. Let me plead with you. If your love for Jesus is lukewarm, you need to change it and change it today before you get to be spat out of his mouth. Here's what Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become really rich, white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Isn't that amazing how the Lord Jesus takes something that is unique to that town, to that city? See, the Laodicea was prosperous economically. It was a very rich city. So much so that in 61 AD, they had a horrible earthquake, nearly destroyed everything. But they built it back so fast without any federal dollars. <laughs> they got no money from Rome. They built it themselves. They had so much money. They were so powerful. They were so rich. Laodicea was renowned for two products. They were exporting all over the world. Textile and a Phrygian powder that was used as an eye salve. Ironically, the Lord uses those two things that they're exporting to the whole world and they brag about locally as the very thing that they spiritually need from Jesus. The real white garment is to cover the nakedness of their sin, and it can only come from Jesus. The eye salve that can cure their spiritual blindness can only come from Jesus. Jesus alone is the source of salvation, beloved. Jesus alone is the source of righteousness. Jesus alone is the source of spiritual strength. When we walk with him, and in verse 20, gives us a beautiful invitation. He said, I stand on the door and knock. Some of you might know this famous painting it was painted by Warner Salman, who actually went to be with the Lord a few years ago. And it's a great picture, it's a great painting, where it shows Jesus standing, knocking on a door. And there are thorns and thistles everywhere as a symbol of our sin. There's something else you notice in that painting. There is no doorknob on the outside. 
The only door now was from the inside. Beloved, if you refuse to let Jesus in, you must bear the consequences. You have the door now. Invite him in. Such a powerful example of Jesus seeking relationship with you. You're listening to Leading the Way with pastor, best-selling author, and international Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Youssef. If today's teaching has encouraged you to explore a spiritual conversation with someone, let me remind you that our website again is ltw.org Jesus. ltw.org Jesus. As we bring today's episode of Leading the Way to a close, allow me to invite you also to watch Leading the Way television. Leading the Way television is available in most areas on TBN, Daystar, God TV, 9, 7, SCA, and more. Visit ltw.org for details. Once again, that's ltw.org. Thanks for joining listeners around the world for today's message. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect further via television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of our social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.